Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Middle of the week, Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. It's hot outside, but it's cool inside the Golden Moon Casino and Sportsbook. That's where we will be on Monday to start the college football season. Learn more about everything that is happening at Pearl River Resort by visiting their website, Pearl River Resort. You can be a part of the conversation on the C Spire text line at 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business. It is backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. That's right here in Mississippi. Learn more online at cspire.com slash business. It is currently 97 degrees in Oxford. Feels like 107. It is currently 96 degrees in Starkville. Uh, Starkville, I, I don't know what I said there. Feels like 111. Stark, Starkville and Fields just combined into one. Uh, what did Will Smith's wife call it? An entanglement. Hattiesburg, currently 103. Real feel, 112. Perkinston, Mississippi which is where we will be tomorrow at uh, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Currently 102, feels like 111. Good news is the humidity is kind of low, only about 35% right now for the humidity in uh, in Perk. Yeah, baby! Stop talking about the sun. Stop talking about the sun! You want to get Brian Haydad out of bed early? Tell him it's going to be 112, or it's going to feel like 112 outside. And my man's going to roll out of the sack early and get those steps in uh, uh, just barely after the sun comes up. And it's still I, hot. I got to do that anyway tomorrow. I got to do that anyway tomorrow because I got to drive to Parkinson. That's right. So, Pretty good. I can't, haul, can't too. leave it uh, at noon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Kelso in Ocean Springs says, I'm about to go for a run in Biloxi. Nice knowing you boys. Had a good run, buddy. Make sure you uh, take some water with you, uh, Kelso. You're going to need it. Good to be with you this afternoon. We are. Ever so close to the start of the college football season. Ten days from the season opener for Southern Miss in Hattiesburg against Alcorn State for Mississippi State in Starkville against Southeastern Louisiana and for Ole Miss at home 
Kicking it off in the uh, the early part of the afternoon against Mercer in their season opener. That's 10 days away, only eight days away from uh, that first Thursday night where we got some great games and only hmm, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, three days away from uh, the Week Zero games that are happening this weekend. If that doesn't put a smile on your face, I don't know what does. It's almost here, boys. Yeah, and I'm not even going to engage today, other than this mention right here. Apparently the ACC is back to exploring Stanford and Cal and SMU and revenue shares and all that crap. I can't even engage with it. It's stupid. It's dumb. Games are starting in three days. I could not possibly care less about that stupidity. If the ACC wants to bury itself in debt because they're flying the Duke volleyball team to uh, Palo Alto uh, for a Tuesday night, they, they can do that. I don't care. I'm going to watch Duke play, though, on Monday night against Clemson and wonder to myself until about midway through the second quarter, can Duke win this game? That is so much more enjoyable than that stupidity that they are going through yet again today. I got an email from Brian Haydad earlier today, and he loves, loves, loves to make predictions. And he tells me that we are putting a graphic out with all of us kind of on the record with some predictions and there are a couple of them that I was able to uh, you know, knock out pretty quickly. Like I, I know what I'm predicting for the season record for Mississippi State and for Ole Miss and for Southern Miss. But when he got to that point where he said, hey, who's your national champion? Who's the Heisman Trophy winner? Who's winning the Connerly Trophy? Predictions, where we've got to go on the record before the games begin. I had some pause. And I'm not sure that I even love the selections that I made. You guys are going to hate my national champion. You're going to hate it. I, oh. I hate you anyway. It's no, it's no big deal. True. But you're going to hate my national champion. hate everything about you. Mm. It's Clemson. No, it's not Clemson. <laughs> I, I would hate my national champion. <laughs> it's like I hate myself. I, uh, I took a flyer on the Heisman Trophy winner. And I mean, I thought... Uh, uh, I thought... I know I'm not, I'm not telling you who it is. I thought long and hard... And I did some stat digging and trying to believe whether or not I could replicate, um, not whether I could replicate, but whether these players could replicate their numbers from a year ago, whether they could increase their numbers from a year ago, whether there's got to be a significant rushing component for a quarterback to win the Heisman Trophy. I will tell you that I settled on not a repeat winner. And I just decided to play the odds on that. Yeah, and there has there has only been one repeat winner of the Heisman Trophy ever. Tell me why you think that is. Because we have had guys that won the Heisman Trophy, came back and played another season, had good years, maybe even years that were technically better than their Heisman Trophy winning season, and yet didn't win it. Why do you think that is? I think it's a very easy answer. Voter fatigue. Okay. Yeah, I agree. I think people, the voters, like to have a new person every year. I think they view it as a fraternity in some ways, and they like to get new members in. And so they just like, they, they think, okay, we're going to bring in, a, you know, yeah, he had a great season, but he's already got a Heisman. Yeah, it's like he can't be in the Hall of Fame twice. I don't disagree with either of you, but I, I, I do think it actually goes a little bit deeper than that. I think the standard changes for a reigning Heisman Trophy winner. Like, 
Caleb Williams, what he did last year on the field in terms of numbers was incredible. I think for people to vote for Caleb Williams again this year, one, Southern Cal is going to have to be really, really good. They can't lose a game. And two, he's going to have to put up numbers that are better than the numbers he put up a year ago. And maybe even significantly better. And if not, they're good, then then I think what you guys said comes into play. For somebody to repeat as Heisman Trophy, as a Heisman Trophy winner, I think they've got to be so clearly not only the best player in the country, but head and shoulders above everybody else that it makes the, the standard almost impossible. But he will be a finalist. Yes. We're not we're not we're not going the Danny Cannell route here. We're just saying that we think if somebody else will win. Yes, I think somebody else is is going to win. And I mean, even Johnny Manziel, you know, he wins it as a what as a redshirt freshman, and yeah. came back that sophomore season, and he put up good numbers. He was, I think, he was fifth in the Heisman Trophy voting, and he was a finalist, but he did not win it the following year. Who's the biggest snub in recent memory in the Heisman Trophy? Is it Peyton Manning? Peyton Manning. It's still Peyton Manning. Yeah. And and Ndamukong Suh. Suh? Suh. Okay. Most everybody goes with Sue, but if you want to go with Suh, then that'll be all right, too. Pretty sure. I'm pretty, I don't know what to tell you. I go with Suh. You're the only person on this beautiful green planet that calls him Suh. Okay. Saw, dude. Remember I'm, the vine? I'm, I'm an innovator. Huh. Saw, dude. So, Saw, dude. Yeah. Uh, exactly. Somebody, somebody on the ceasefire text line says Darren McFadden twice snubbed. Darren McFadden was so good at Arkansas, but did really Arkansas good. win enough? While Darren McFadden was really, really good. That's the issue, right? Just if you're a running back, the, the numbers you've got to put up nowadays are just you got to be over two thousand yards almost. The, the award stinks, man. It does. It's it does. Not, it's not the most outstanding player in college football anymore. It's not. It it just stinks. And so I was kind of going through the 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 people that I thought that had a chance. And you know, Michael Penix Jr. He's going to have to throw for over mm-hmm. five thousand yards, and the running game really is not part of what he does as a quarterback. Bo Nix's numbers from a year ago were really, really compelling. He was close to 4,000 yards. I think he had 29 touchdown passes. He had 14 rushing touchdowns and about 500 yards on the ground. If he does that again this year, then Bo assuming that Oregon is a 10 or better win team this year, Bo Nix could win the Heisman Trophy. Good. Think about that statement when you think about what the first three years of his career looked like at Auburn. And he goes to, he goes across the country to the Pacific Northwest to Oregon and just absolutely was incredible. Absolutely incredible last year. So you've got three legitimate West Coast candidates. How many candidates have you got in the upper Midwest? Certainly Blake Corum, the running back from Michigan, 
And his numbers were good last year, but he was below 1,500 yards rushing. You're not winning a Heisman Trophy yeah. as a running back with 1,500 yards on the ground. Sports Talk nope. Mississippi, we're back with you right after this. You're hearing Sports Talk Mississippi. What? what? This is so awesome. On Super Talk Mississippi. story during the break that alludes to the biggest Heisman slub of all time coming in 1956. Paul Horning, Notre Dame's Paul Horning, won the award that year, and he was a star. He was a two-way player for the Irish. But they went 2-8. and eight. You had a 2-8 and eight football team with the Heisman Trophy winner in Paul Horning. And uh, Johnny Majors perhaps should have been the trophy winner. Went on to be the head coach at Tennessee after uh, other stops as well, but he was running back for Tennessee at the uh, at the time. Marshall Falk is a name that came up in that story. Nineteen ninety two. He he was um, he was beaten out by Gino Toretta for the uh, award that year. That's like the first one where it was, it was the national championship quarterback got to win the Heisman. And that's why he won it. You know, a year that the national championship winning quarterback did not win a Heisman was probably the best player in college football, but he didn't have as much sizzle as the guy who won it. I mean, Manziel didn't. Who? Well, Manziel won one. He just didn't he won, won the Heisman, though. He didn't win national. Yeah. Right, right, right. Um, Vince Young at Texas. So 2005 was that crazy good season for Vince Young. Texas won the national championship. They beat Southern Cal in the national championship game. But Reggie Bush had so many just sizzle reel moments throughout the yeah. course of the season. And Vince Young's sizzle reel moments came in the national championship game. They did. So. They, they absolutely did. Reggie Bush still, uh, I mean, you know. I Big news today. Big news today, possibly. Although, if you're going to sue for defamation, don't you have to be defamed? Because... Every person on the planet is like, yeah, Reggie Bush is awesome. <laughs> like, there was never a point where people didn't think Reggie Bush was not awesome. So if you were to It's not USC fans. It's us. We're yeah. like, Reggie Bush is awesome. I've never once been like, you know, I liked Reggie Bush until I found out he took money. Like, I've, that was never entered my mind. I feel, I feel like the lawyers could have found a better angle than defamation. But uh, uh, Reggie Bush in my lifetime... Uh, Manziel's a good candidate, and I don't want to get caught up in recency bias with that, but, man, Reggie Bush is the most electrifying football player I've ever seen. Yeah? Yeah. I always tell people, if you really want to see Reggie Bush at his best, Google his high school video uh, tape, his high school highlight tape. It, It literally looks like a video game. You know how we do the you remember where you were when? Yeah. I will forever remember where I was when Southern Cal in 2005 beat Fresno State. You know, what What a random event to randomly remember. But it, it's got the run in it. It, it. It's the night that Reggie Bush won the Heisman Trophy, and I was at a sports bar in Albuquerque, New Mexico. 
I was uh, I was filling in for David Kellum on basketball. Ole Miss was playing in a basketball tournament that New Mexico was hosting, and I don't think I'm making this up. I think Kyle Campbell, who's now the football media relations director and runs that department uh, department at Ole Miss. He was the basketball SID at the time, and he and I were at a sports bar, and we were watching it, and it was like, this can't be real. But it absolutely was real and was incredible. Reggie Bush that night had 23 carries for 294 yards. He averaged 12.8 yards per carry. He also had three catches for 68 yards in the game, 362 yards of total offense. That's incredible. And, oh, by the way, he had seven kick returns for an average of 19 yards, 135 yards in kick returns that night. He had almost 500 yards of total offense in that game. That is that's mind-boggling. Albuquerque, New Mexico. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon as we are so close to the start of the college football season. So, Borky, CBS Sports rolled out an overrated, underrated segment as part of their SEC preview today. I've got qualms with it. Uh, Mississippi State's inclusion in the underrated is not one of those qualms. However, and they pulled all their college football writers, so each one got to make a choice Some clown put South Carolina in the overrated category. They are literally not ranked. An unranked team is apparently overrated. And then another clown put LSU in underrated. LSU, the team that is a top 10 team. They are preseason number five. Number five. People are picking them to win the the national championship are underrated. Well, maybe that means that you believe LSU is winning at all. Yeah, but that's not underrated. They are very appropriately rated at number five to be a playoff if, and championship if, contender. If you believe, if you believe that they are going to win the West, which is something I believe, right? And then I see a poll that has Alabama in front of them. I can tell you, LSU is underrated in that poll. But the point of an exercise like that is to get to a Mississippi State. That that's what that's what people are looking for. Not LSU's underrated at number five. Come on, guys, exercise your minds a, a little bit more here. Uh, that's all. I do enough exercise. But, but I don't the, need to the, do the local inclusions I get, and, and like they're fine and rational. Those two things drive me nuts. An unranked team is overrated. Mind blown. I, I think, Borky, you're being too literal here. I think you're not going with the exercise. <laughs> South Carolina right. is not overrated because they literally are not rated. It is impossible Mo- to agree with that statement. Most overrated team. David Cobb wrote this. Alabama. Bama is replacing two of the first three players selected in the 2023 NFL draft and both coordinators from a team that didn't win the SEC West last year, still voters at Media Days predicted the Crimson Tide to win the division over reigning champion LSU. They also came in at number four in the preseason AP Top 25. Okay. I have no issue with that. That he makes says, sense. Sure. You, you, yeah, like that, that David gets the exercise. Uh, Shihan Jaraja, probably didn't pronounce that right, has Texas A&M as the most overrated. He says, on paper, the Aggies can compete with anyone in college football. Unfortunately, football isn't played on paper. Texas A&M's total defense slipped 
from 14 to 51 after Mike Elko left to resurrect Duke. Connor Wegman showed flashes of brilliance in his five appearances, but he only completed 55% of his passes. The offensive line group is a question mark once again after a disappointing effort. Making matters worse, they have a tougher schedule. Road trips to Knoxville and Oxford, plus Miami and LSU. They'll have a puncher's chance, but there's little chance to believe they are anywhere close to competing for the SEC West. Tom Fornelli writes that Ole Miss is the most overrated team in the SEC. He says, all due respect to the Rebels. Yeah, I knew you did. I knew you did. I mean, <laughs> I mean that that's very much a bless her heart start to his explanation. Yeah. You, you say this is the most overrated team, and then you follow it up with, with all due respect. I figured the, I said the it only with all reason. All due respect. I figure the only reason this team is ranked to begin the year is because when filling out ballots, voters get to the 20 to 25 range and have no idea what to do. So they ask themselves, which SEC team have I not yet ranked? The Rebels began 2022 with seven wins before losing five of their last six. After drawing Kentucky and Vandy from the East last year, the Rebels get a road game against Georgia this year. The non-conference schedule also includes a road game against a Tulane team that won the Cotton Bowl. Tom needs to go deeper. Hey, hmm. Just tell me what the schedule is. Thank you. Like I have Google, but give me yeah, a and the bit problem. More than that. The problem with going well, well it's, it's a Drew, really difficult. Well, also he said Drew Vanderbilt. They don't draw Vanderbilt. They have Vanderbilt every year. That's their permanent. Yes. Don't act like it was the luck of the draw there. Yeah, I mean, you you just say after drawing Kentucky as their rotating yeah. East opponent this year, last year, this year, it's Georgia, they get the two-time reigning national champion, Georgia Bulldogs. And putting Tulane as a difficult road game in there because they won the Cotton Bowl a year ago, that that's not a good enough reason. Not when they lost Ty J. Armstrong and three or four other significant pieces on offense and three or four playmakers on the defensive side. I lost a lot, except for quarterback. But and if Ole Miss struggles with Tulane, they're going to struggle all season. But uh, all that being said, the lack of depth and the reason there there's a chance that he is absolutely right. It's possible. Absolutely, there is. I mean, possible. You, you, Knock on wood, you, you get an injury at the running back spot, for example. You know, defensively, with all the new faces and the new scheme, it takes them a while to kind of figure it out. There's a chance. This is op- this is peak optimism season, and I hate being the, the cold water person, but but both fan bases in this state sometimes you get need used to, to it. You know, it's I think it's truth telling. It's everybody's so oh they're going to win nine games. Well. They may not, and you, you've also got to understand that the opposite is also a distinct possibility. Yeah, but they may. But they, they might. And if you they think could. they won't, then you're a hater. When in reality, it's like, God. I feel like the other I'll, overrated I'll team that, that Borky disagreed with, South Carolina, Chip Patterson, uh, it's a Texas guy, I think, writes, AP Top 25 and Coaches Poll voters ended up putting South Carolina 27th in their preseason balloting. And that's too high for a group that's closer to the 35 to 40 range heading into the year. I believe it's a group that's going to battle with Florida and Missouri for some of those spots in the bottom half of the division. Okay, there you go. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll look at underrated next. Check this out. Sports Talk Mississippi. Super Talk Mississippi. Here's your daily reminder that the New York Yankees are terrible. Awful. (laughs) They have lost nine straight games. 
one and nine in their last ten games. Math checks out. They are 17 games back of the first place Baltimore Orioles. If you're looking for a silver lining, if they played in the American League Central instead of the American League East, they'd only be four and a half out of first place. And they'd actually be ahead of the Cleveland Guardians, who are currently in second place. But that's not where they, they reside. That's not the neighborhood in which they live. You're talking about 27-time world champion New York. 60 and 65, losers of nine in a row, and 17 games out of first place. The color analyst on the New York Yankees radio network is Susan Waldman. You've heard me impersonate Susan before. You remember when the Yankees brought Roger Clemens back to New York? And she had a, um, a reaction on the air. It sounded like this. Roger Clemens is in George's box, and Roger Clemens is coming back. Oh, my good, goodness gracious. Of all the dramatic things... Things I've ever seen, Roger Clemens standing right in George Steinbrenner's box announcing he is back. Roger Clemens is a New York Yankee. All right, so so so, so that's Susan Waldman. She's I, plenty excitable. Was that Estelle Costanza or who, who was that? Roger Clemens is George. in George Steinbrenner's box. Of all the, the, the of all the dramatic things. Yeah. Well, last night, as the Yankees were losing yet another game. They were coming back from commercial break. They had a little promo that was running, and the engineer of the broadcast decided to turn the announcer mics on before they actually got back from break. Listen closely. You're good to go. Hi, this is Kyle Higashioka. Listen to every Yankees game on the Odyssey app. This is boring. (laughs) Oh, here's the sun. Hi, this is Kyle Yagashioka, and uh, you can listen to every game. Listen to every Yankees game on the Odyssey app. This is boring. Well, here's the center fielder, Alex Call, to uh, John Sterling. And here's the center fielder, Alex. If there was a a mic in the press box at Mississippi State baseball games, I promise you would have heard far worse from your good friend, Brian Adad. Yeah. Yeah, Roger Clemens is not coming back. All right. So we were looking at the uh, overrated, underrated list from CBS Sports. My apologies, Chip Patterson is not the former Texas guy or the Texas guy. That's Chip Brown. Chip Patterson is, uh, I don't know, a guy that writes at CBS Sports and covers college football. (laughs) Most underrated team. These summaries come from uh, Tom Fornelli and Barrett Salee and Jerry Palm. And uh, some guy I've never heard of, and Chip Patterson. So, number one on the list, LSU. Borky has qualms. Here's what they write. The SEC West will once again come down to Alabama or LSU. Going into the season, I have far fewer concerns about the Tigers than I do the Tide. LSU has proven itself at quarterback with the veteran Jaden Daniels, plus depth behind him as well as talent at running back and wide receiver. Blah, 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 blah. Way to go out on a limb there. The closer I look at the SEC in 2023, the more I believe LSU is a bigger threat than Alabama to not just dethrone Georgia in the conference, but win the national title as well. 
Okay. So he thinks this could be the national champion. If they're not number one, they're underrated. It's just it <laughs> just takes no See, mental effort. I, a top five team should be a championship contender going into the season. It's not a snub to be ranked number five. Is, it is a compliment of what your ceiling can be as a football team. This is where going to a, a parochial school helped me, and I learned about the spirit of the law versus the letter of the law and the Pharisees. This is just like the I people about on message things. boards. They're like, oh, my God, we're number two. How, how dare you think my team's going to lose a game? It's, it's the same logic. It, it, if you are ranked, heck, in the top ten. Who, who, who had this, by the way? Who, whose pick was this? That was Tom Fornelli. Come on, okay. Tom. Come on. I mean, Tom's on a heater. When you're talking underrated, it's teams that are are way like at the bottom of the top 25 are not ranked at all. That's when you bring in a Mississippi State, which we'll get to. Good inclusion, or a Kentucky, or unless a South by Carolina. definition you think they are winning at all, which he says he thinks they are going to do, and they're not even picked to win their division. In which case, how many teams can they are win underrated? It it's just dumb. It's, Webster's it's, Dictionary defines underrated as. Are you a valedictorian? Yeah. I was not. Barrett uh, Salee writes, most underrated team in the SEC, the Arkansas Razorbacks. Says they're going to be extremely difficult to game plan for. K.J. Jefferson is especially near impossible to prepare for with his ability to run between the tackles and outside. Plus, the new offense under veteran coordinator Dan Enos, who everybody just thinks is the best ever, will allow him more freedom in the passing game. Will it? Okay. Uh, really? Uh, oh. Okay. 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 Guess what you think. The combination of Jefferson and star running back Raheem Sanders will make this one of the most entertaining offenses in the country. If new D.C. Travis Williams can get the passing defense, worst in the country last season, playing just a little bit better. This team could push for a New Year's Six bowl game. So going from Kendall Bryles to Danny Nos is going to go from... It's an upgrade. It's, it's going to not only upgrade, but upgrade to the most entertaining offense in co- college football. K- Kendall Bryles, who right. was perennially... At least he, got the, at least he, you know, he didn't pick a number five team in the country. Exactly. Hey, he went out on a limb. It's a limb that's going to crack soon, but... Yes, Kendall Bryles was on a short list of candidates to be an offensive coordinator elsewhere. Basically, every year he was in Fayetteville and did some really innovative things with that offense. But, yeah, tell me more about Dan Enos and his innovative offensive approach. Also, most underrated, South Carolina. So you got overrated and under. You see how? Yeah, yeah, Jerry Palm has them underrated. That means they're properly rated. Since Shane Beamer took over from Will Muschamp in 2021, he's won 15 games in his first two seasons and finished in the top 20 last year. They will have star quarterback Spencer Rattler back to lead the offense after throwing for over 3,000 yards last year, which 3,000 isn't exactly what it used to be. South Carolina is unranked to start this season and will have to replace a lot of its defense, but I expect the Gamecocks to finish in the top 25 again, says Jerry Palm. Okay. It's fine. Fair enough. No problem. Uh, Kentucky underrated. This is uh, some guy named Bacchus, or Bacchus. It's also a uh, festival period in New Orleans, but anyway. 
It is. It is. Uh, UK is a perennial, not spelled the same way, by the way. Uh, UK is a perennial dark horse in the soon-to-be-defunct SEC East. But this might actually be the year to buy the hype. The Wildcats get three of their five most difficult games at home, though that October road trip to Georgia is a beast. Kentucky is a strong candidate to reach at least 10 regular season wins. Ooh. Something it has not done since 1977 while confidently pushing back into the top half of the SEC. And finally, Chip Patterson says that Missouri is the most underrated team in the SEC. He says, I'm buying a little Missouri stock, at least given its preseason media poll position of sixth in the SEC East. Not on my ballot with a pretty large margin between the Tigers and fifth place. I think Missouri's defense is going to cause some real problems for opponents and keep the team in games against most conference foes. The corners are excellent. And there's a ton of production returning from last year's defense, including Tyron Hopper, the SEC's returning leader in tackles for loss. If Brady Cook or Sam Horn can come up with enough plays at the quarterback position in games. The defense keeps close. The Tigers could be closer to the top four than the bottom two in the SEC East standings. Did 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 Chip Patterson write that, or did Richard Cross write that? Because he's got Richard, Richard Cross has him fourth on his ballot. And did, did you say finally, wasn't there one other team that made this kind of interesting for us that we were going to talk about being underrated? Yes, but there was an ad right there beneath that thing that I was looking at from Missouri, and I mm. thought that signified the end of the article. Yes, uh, Dennis Dodd, local favorite. we got two hours and 13 more minutes of show. He, but he said, finally, I'm just making sure. He wasn't trying to snub anybody. Local favorite, Again. Dennis Dodd, writes that Mississippi State might be the most underrated team in the SEC. What does Mr. Dodd, who is always spot on with his takes, have to say about Mississippi State? We'll tell you when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Hit us up on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. We're back right after this. From the flatlands of Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Every minute worth waiting for. Super Talk Mississippi. My friends feel as they're appointed today. Welcome back, Sports Talk Mississippi, with you streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. We have uh, we have taken our time working through this overrated, underrated list at uh, CBS Sports for the SEC 
for the uh, upcoming college football season. Dennis Dodd writing that Mississippi State is the most underrated team, or one of the most underrated teams, in the SEC. What is his rationale? Well, here it is. Mike Leach's spirit endures. The late Bulldogs coach made a career about tweaking the noses of powerhouses. New coach Zach Arnett will carry on that tradition, at least in the short term. Look for a couple of upsets from a team led by a young, aggressive staff in transition from the loss of Leach. LSU and Alabama visit Starkville, just saying. The man who threw more times than anyone, quarterback Will Rogers, 610 attempts will guide a more balanced offense. This is good news for running back Joquavius Marks, most known as Woody, 582 yards on the ground in the air raid, running behind an experienced offensive line that has not run block in three years. You know the defense will be stout with Arnett elevating Matt Brock as coordinator, plus the Bulldogs return the SEC's top two tacklers in Jet Johnson and Nathaniel Bookie Watson. The great thing I editorialized about that, a little bit as I was reading through there, just making his writing more yeah. interesting. Yeah. <laughs> the great thing about that pick, though, is like state is. I mean, people are saying five and seven, six and six. I mean, you can be somebody like me and just say, I think they'll go eight and four. You know, that doesn't necessarily mean they're a top twenty-five team. It certainly doesn't put them into any kind of you know playoff or big-time bowl discussion. But you're still saying they're underrated. Even if you say seven and five, you're probably saying they're underrated. Yeah. I just the safe pick. Okay, some of the numbers he put in there are are fine. But Mike Leach's spirit enduring is not why Mississippi State is going to overachieve an underrated status. Why not? It's just not. No. If they're underrated and they overachieve that level, it's because the new offense under Kevin Barbe worked and worked well. It's because Will Rogers transitioned nicely. It's because they figured out an answer at safety. It's because they get pressure with those front four. It's because Jet Johnson and Bookie Watson replicate the season they had from a tackling standpoint a year ago. It's because the running game gets going and makes them more balanced offensively. It's because they have a couple of guys emerge in the wide receiver core that nobody's really talking about going into the year. Those are the reasons that you pick Mississippi State to overachieve and you believe they're underrated, you don't believe they overachieve, at least not if you have a functioning brain, because Mike Leach's spirit endures. Just be better, man. Just be better. Well, he wanted to throw a, a tribute to Mike Leach in there. I, 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 no. So write a column. I mean, I, I get it. I was talking about uh, this last night because Mississippi State sold out season tickets. And they still have, like, flex passes and stuff. If they've sold out season tickets, I assume that means the, the returning allotment from from opposing fans is how they're able to do that, or they kept the season ticket packages smaller or they, whatever. But Yeah. I was told it's over 40,000 season tickets. Have been sold. Yeah, so, that, so that's a great number. We'll start with that number. And, and so, a great number, yeah. where did that come from? Why did that happen? Why didn't they do that under Mike Leach? Why didn't they do that under Moorhead? It, it wasn't like that annually under Dan Mullen, was it? Um, no. Zach Arnett has had yeah. one heck of an offseason. 
Does it matter at all? No. Winning and losing is the only thing that matters. However, from when he took over to now, the messaging... I mean, all the other stuff has been good, too, right? Like, people like the Barbe hire. They're intrigued by him. He's an impressive guy when you listen to him talk, of course. But all of the messaging out of that program is is just music to the ears of Mississippi State fans, isn't it? I mean, he is pushing, and again, he hadn't coached a game yet, but it feels like every correct button, all the hits, like it's an Eagles concert, and Life in the Fast Lane is what he opened with. You know, it just he's he's playing the hits and having just a really good off season. He's a big Southern rock guy, so that might that might work. Also, I, when we talk about season tickets, I mentioned it before. Having eight home games, having LSU, Alabama, Ole Miss, and Southern Miss on your home schedule, that sells, man. That's a great home schedule. It's a good home schedule with a team that Mississippi State fans believe is going to win more than they lose with the excitement of a new head coach who has kind of galvanized and embraced the the Mississippi State fan base and a new athletics director that people are high on. And all of that adds up to really, really good season ticket numbers. And now you got to get now you got to get all those people that bought tickets to to the games and and fill it up and make that stadium the intimidating environment that it can be. That's the next step. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Sports Talk Mississippi continues. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Thanks for being with us. You can always text the show on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. That's the number for you to be a part of the conversation. Check them out online at cspire.com. We continue our SEC preview. It's time for us to visit with Jordan Hill, who writes at Dogs 24-7, covers the Georgia Bulldogs, working our way one last time through all of the teams not in Mississippi in the SEC. Jordan, really appreciate a few minutes of your time this afternoon. Let's just jump right into this thing. Um, Bigger and more difficult piece to replace from last year. Stetson Bennett or um, Jalen Carter? I'd say Jalen Carter, and I think that just speaks to what kind of a game wrecker he was. I mean, you know, he was a guy that uh, it was funny to watch. It sort of felt like when you go to high school games on Friday nights and you just see a guy that's a four-star, five-star defensive lineman and and no one can do anything with him. It's just so rare to see that on Saturdays. Jalen was such a big-time playmaker. It was a guy that, not only made plays himself, but opened up opportunities for the guys around him, you know, the inside linebackers who will be back this year, who were the two leading tacklers last year. I think, you know, he really freed things up uh, for everyone around him. And that's not to uh, discount or discredit what Stetson Bennett did because it was an outstanding run these last two years. And you think about the shoes that Car- that Carson Beck is stepping into and, and the pressure that he is uh, sort of taking on as a new starting quarterback. But I think when you just consider – how rare a talent someone like Jalen Carter is. And to be able to just totally disrupt so many teams, especially in the SEC, where you know 
uh, these offensive lines are built uh, to last and built to take on the best of the best. Uh, it's going to be a very big challenge. I think it's one that Kirby Smart has challenged this group of defensive linemen to try to fill the gap, and I think it's not going to be just one person who fills it. Um, the good thing for Georgia is they've got a whole lot of talent uh, that is coming in, not quite proven like Jalen Carter is, um, but they're going to have to raise their play and rise to the occasion to try to fill what is a huge void in the middle of that defensive line. And, you know, Jordan, it, it's interesting to me because there have been so many comparisons to the way that Kirby Smart has has built this Georgia program in the mold that, that Nick Saban used to build Alabama into the, the juggernaut that it was and is. And, and part of that process has been just kind of, you, you know, you don't rebuild, you just, you just reload. I mean, see how many cliches I can, can roll into this at, at one time. Is Georgia doing that? We know that, that the rankings say they are recruiting at the highest level that is possible for, for a college football team. They're doing it year after year after year. Does that just point to how special and how unique Jalen Carter was? Or should we expect this to be kind of like a, a plug-and-play with whoever the guys are that, that we don't necessarily know their names yet? Yeah, I mean, I think you're not going to have one Jalen Carter. I think what you can hope for is to have, say, a Warren Brinson, who's a senior who's been stuck behind guys like Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter these past few years. And, you know, it's like we don't really know how good he is because, well, he's he's kind of uh, been behind a guy that was picked, what, ninth in the draft and one that was picked, I think, 13th in the draft two years ago. Um, you know, they've got guys like Warren Brinson, uh, two other seniors, Nazir Stackhouse, Don Logo, played quite a bit. Um, that are going to be relied on even more. Um, they've done a very good job in the time that Trey Scott has been the defensive line coach of loading up on talent and making sure uh, not only that they make the most of that talent, but that they can rotate guys in. I mean, I, I keep thinking back to that Peach Bowl against Ohio State. It was pretty early in that game that they had a pretty healthy rotation of guys coming in. And, you know, that was a four-quarter game, and, I mean, it took quite literally every play of that game to win that game. They've done a very good job consistently of reloading and putting guys in position. Um, when it is their time to step up, that they are able to step up and make big plays. To me, I think this defensive line is going to be in good shape. I think that they are uh, going to stop the run as well as they've done traditionally. I mean, I think pretty much the last few years they've been one of the best teams nationally when it comes to run defense and, and uh, rushing yards allowed. Uh, now are they going to have a Jalen Carter type that, we're talking about could be one of the top picks in the NFL draft and is seen as, you know, one of the best defenders in the nation. Probably not, but I think they got a lot of guys that are all SEC caliber, could potentially get a little all American buzz. And uh, when you're at Georgia, especially when it comes to defense where they are pretty much loaded and have several proven guys elsewhere, uh, I think they'll be in good shape. Busy with Jordan Hill on the Farm Bureau guest line. He writes at Dogs 24 7, covers the, uh, the Georgia Bulldogs as we continue our. Uh, one last run through the SEC leading up to uh, opening day now, just 10 days away. And we got news today that Branson Robinson is out for the season. He was uh, a freshman a year ago and played well when he had opportunity. Um, he wasn't going to be the starter, but certainly he was going to be a depth piece at, at running back. How significant is that that uh, they are without the sophomore running back Branson Robinson this season? I think it's uh, pretty significant. You know, He was a guy that I think had a lot of Buzz coming into the year and was doing really well in spring practice. Winds up hurting his foot. I was kind of on the mend through the summer and going into the fall. 
had just sort of been working his way back. Had gotten to participate in Georgia's second scrimmage. Didn't take any carries, but was doing pass protection, catching the ball a bit. Then winds up te- uh, tearing his uh, patella on a non-contact injury, just oh. cut and wound up injuring it. Um, it's quite a shame, and all of a sudden, it really put some question marks at Georgia's running backs. And we actually got a chance on Wednesday to go out and watch probably 15 minutes of practice. And another running back has been added to the list of banged-up guys, Dejan Edwards, who is one of two senior running backs. He was working off to the side uh, with the players we know are injured, and they weren't working with their individual uh, position groups. Um, You've got him and another senior, Kendall Milton, who has already been hurt this fall camp. Uh, Georgia is going to have to rely on some guys that are very much unproven going forward, especially if – Asian Edwards is limited going into the season. I mean, we're talking about you may get a walk-on like Cash Jones, who admittedly has gotten some good buzz this uh, fall camp, uh, but you don't anticipate, especially a team that uh, is a two-time defending champion, to have to rely on a walk-on. Um, it's definitely very interesting going into the year, and uh, Kirby Smart and company wouldn't admit this, but it will definitely help them when it comes to running back. But um, They've got UT Martin in week one. They've got Ball State in week two. Uh, maybe they can kind of get their feet under them uh, early in the season when it comes to the running back spot. Jordan, tight end is is such a fascinating position. Brock Bowers is labeled by a tight end as everyone, although I'm not sure that he technically is a tight end. He can do so much. How much does the departure of Darnell Washington, and I know they, they weren't always on the field at the same time, but he was a beast and, and, and did some different things well that I wonder if, if maybe that took a little bit of pressure from a defensive perspective off of Brock Bowers. What do you expect from Brock, Brock Bowers? Can he replicate the season that he had? Can he be a 1,000-yard receiver this year? Or do his numbers maybe come back even if he continues to play really well? I think the thing that's interesting with Brock is I think you might see that pressure that was taken off by having Darnell, who was not only a great receiver and reliable in that way, but was just a hellacious blocker. I mean, some of his, probably his best highlights came from being able to pick up and make blocks in run plays. But I think where you might see defenses, um, you know, not have to, not be able to just totally commit to number 19 is Georgia really reloaded at wide receiver, went and got Dominic Lovett from Missouri, also got Ra Ra Thomas, have some proven guys back. Uh, from these past few years with Ladd McConkey, Rara Tom, or uh, uh, Marcus Rosamy, Jack Saint, Arian Smith, uh, and some younger guys too that they brought in like Dylan Bell uh, and three freshmen that they signed uh, in the 2023 class. Uh, so I think that's where you'll maybe see, um, you know, defenses not being able to just totally key in on Brock Bowers is that they are very, very deep at wide receiver. And I think we can get into the season and see them mix in guys and use receivers and be able to kind of spell guys in a way that you might not have seen in the past. I think specifically last year, um, they were not very deep at receiver, and they kind of ran into issues early in the year when A.D. Mitchell, who was anticipated to be their number one receiver, uh, gets hurt on like the second play of the second game and pretty much doesn't play again until the SEC title game. So um, everyone knows who Brock Bowers is. Defensive coordinators are going to be keying in on him. I think he can flirt with a thousand yards. I don't think he's going to get it, not because he's not capable of it, but because they have got a ton of pass catchers going into this year. I think they're going to get several different guys involved, and as big a part as Brock Bowers is going to play, uh, I think they're going to kind of spread the love this year. 
Jordan, last thing for you. Only about 30 seconds left. Carson Beck named the starter. You mentioned the pressure on him because of the success of Stetson Bennett over the, the last couple of years. How, how are they going to treat him, especially with a new offensive coordinator and, and Mike Bobo? Is it kid gloves or do they just let it fly? Oh, I think they're going to let it fly, and they're going to do that because of the other options they've got. they got Brock Vandergriff and Gunnar Stockton behind him. And I think that they know that they're really talented in that quarterback room. I don't think it's a situation uh, where they feel like they can only turn to Carson Beck. Now, saying that, they really like what Carson has done to date. It seems like he's done all the right things. He's got the most experience in this offense. I think the expectations are high for Carson. We got to talk to him on Wednesday, and I think he's up for the challenge that awaits him. Jordan, really appreciate your time. Great stuff, great insight, and I hope we can catch up down the line. Yeah, that'd be great. I appreciate it. That's Jordan Hill from the Dogs 24-7 site. Covers the Georgia Bulldogs as we continue to preview one last time every team in the SEC. Jordan joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. We're back with you right after this. Super Talk Mississippi. Introducing to you Sports Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. In just a minute, we're going to let you hear from Mississippi State Offensive Coordinator Kevin Barbet, as the Bulldogs get closer to the start of the season. Hey, Dad, they, uh, Zach Arnett told us, what, last week that they were going to finish up camp and then they were going to go into kind of a, almost like a run-through week. Like, they were going to practice yeah. this week mock the way they will practice for game week. It. Yeah. Okay. Right. Mock game week was how you described it. I, I, I know. And to that no, end, Mississippi State has cut practice access. There's no viewing of practice. There's players after practice, but that's it. So it yeah. really is like game week will be. Um, I know no team really talks about injuries all that much. I mean, you get the news from Georgia today when they've got a player that, that's out for the entire season. Are we under the impression that Mississippi State has made it through camp with pretty good health? Are there injuries that we've heard about, don't know? You're knocking on wood. That means it feels like there it's been go. so far so good. Yeah, they've been a little banged up, especially at the wide receiver position. On Saturday, I think Tulu Griffin and Justin uh, Robinson and Xavier Thomas were all out, but those were just for for that that time. They they they're, they've all been back to practice at this point. Uh, everybody, as far as I know, Mississippi State to this point doesn't have an injury of anybody keeping them out for for an extended period. Okay. Certainly, that is uh, that is good news. Let's uh, let's hear from Kevin Barbeck, offensive coordinator at Mississippi State. Ten days away from his first game calling plays for the Bulldogs. You had a chance to watch him scrimmage there, and uh, what do you come out thinking? You know, uh, I thought from a, uh, just a scrimmage standpoint, it's always good for us to get as many live reps as possible, where there's live tackling and we're able to try to break tackles and finish plays off. Um, you know, I don't think you ever walk away from any scrimmage just feeling excellent, right, on both sides of the ball. There's always room for improvement. Uh, for us, we've got to really clean up our details, um, you know, our, our, our pre-snap. We had a couple of pre-snap penalties, uh, a few penalties, uh, you know, during the play on a couple of holding calls. So we've got to clean up some of those things. 
but you know, again, it, the uh, uh, the important piece for us right now is just playing as much live football as we possibly can. And so there were some things that were good. And there were some things that were correct. You know, we got to get corrected, which I think you're always going to have in a scrimmage. We've seen some formations throughout this week of Will and, and Mike uh, right playing together. I guess what are kind of your thoughts on the way? You know, Mike's kind of accepted his role since coming here and, and your ability to use him in, in various ways. Yeah, Mike is uh, obviously he's a very explosive athlete and um, he can do some things. And, you know, like I've told you guys before, uh, you know, without getting too specific, it's about putting your best players on the field and the guys that can create explosive plays uh, no matter, you know, who, what 11 guys that is. So, uh, you know, we've, we've messed with a few things. And, uh, you know, I think going forward, uh, you know, we'll continue evaluating uh, each week, right, what explosive players we have. When you look at this as a play caller in a scrimmage, are you scripting out the beginning of that, or are you just play calling and situationally doing it? Yeah, that's a really good question. Uh, each scrimmage is a little bit different. I Sometimes I script it out. Um, a lot of times, like today, I was really challenging myself to not script it and right, just make sure that I was calling it off the hip uh, so that you're mixing personnel groups. You're trying to get you know a good balance of your run, your play action, your, your shots. Um, you know, so today I was just, uh, you know, shooting from the hip from our call sheet. But as a staff, we put together the call sheet each week, so it's really an easy deal. I mean, what we ran today were all plays that we have run over the past five days. So there wasn't any new install or anything. Uh, you know, but uh, for me, it, it's just as important that I practice each of these situations. And, you know, where is, it, where is the time to go fast? Where is the time to take a shot? Where is the time to you know, sequence a play call on a third down uh, where you know that you're going for it, maybe on a fourth down. And then, um, you know, obviously as much red area work, what we, we didn't do any two-minute situation today, uh, but, you know, I, I need as much two-minute. That helps me as much as anything is practicing those situations, going through it in my head, listening to the staff and what their idea is. Hey, let's come back to this, you know, because at the end of the day, it's all of us together. How would you grade yourself after one practice here? After this oh, practice? man, I'm... Oh, that was probably a C minus, man. Uh, I'm I'm hard on myself, you know. Uh, I, I really I, I thought there were some good things that were uh, done out there today, and, and some guys got some opportunities. Uh, and I thought, you know, a couple of kids really stood uh, stepped up. But uh, you know, I mean, I, I'm always I think the really the reality of it is is you're always looking for something that you can correct better on every single play, no matter what position you play, no matter what you coach, right? So. Uh, for me, you know, if we have an unsuccessful play and it looks bad, right, I got to go back, I got to look myself in the mirror, and I got to go, hey, do I need to reinstall that? Am I teaching this good enough, right? Am I relating to the guys well enough where they know exactly uh, the level of detail and the expectation, right? And if not, I got to be honest with myself, and I got to go back and clean up the way that I approach that teaching. As a play caller and as a scheme designer, how difficult is it to reach this point where it's time to stop installing and start perfecting what you do? You know what? Um, I don't think you ever stop installing. That's the fun part of this offense, right? Is, you know, uh, the, uh, the creative minds, right? And, and putting everything together and, and the different personnel groups and the formations, man. Uh, the challenge is you, you never stop installing, right? You just kind of keep growing it. And once you get good at something, then you figure out, right? What's the next presentation? How do we complement that? How do guys stop that? So. You know, you, you never stop installing, right? And uh, But that's the fun part, and that's the challenging part. How much do you feel since the spring game to the first scrimmage, not the second scrimmage, have you grown you know, comfortable in terms of in-game communication and stuff like that with, uh, with Will Rogers? Yeah, uh, 
That's a really good question. I think Will and I have uh, really gained a lot of, of mutual respect. We see a lot of things the same way. He, when I, something's starting to roll off my tongue, he'll already have it called because he knows exactly what I'm thinking. And, uh, you know, I think that's something that's really important uh, throughout the season and as we become more comfortable with each other is he knows what I'm thinking. He's in the mind of the play caller, um, and he's understanding the play caller's purpose. Does that surprise you that he's picked it up that quickly? Not at all. Man, this guy loves football. Look at him. He's out there right now with his dad. He's teaching his dad drops right now of the way that we're play actioning, right? He lives and breathes football every second of every day. And so he's up here all the time, right, studying, asking questions, you know, giving ideas. Um, it doesn't surprise me one single bit. We've seen both Percy Lewis and uh, Dollar Bill kind of get some first-team reps over at left tackle. What are you seeing from that battle right now? What's standing out about both those guys? Yeah, uh, you know, Percy has done some really good things. Uh, you know, we started Dollar at tackle, and then he moved in a little bit and played a little bit guard. He's got some versatility. But, again, going back to when I talk about best 11, you know, it's, it's not just skill guys. I mean, we're trying to figure out the best five combination uh, guys, whether that's, you know, guys that primarily play uh, tackle that need to be moved in. You know, if you've got, uh, uh, if you've got an offensive lineman, that you've got two tackles that are stacked that are really good, and, you know, you might need to move one into guard. Uh, but, you know, for those guys, I think every day it's a constant competition. And really, that's when you get good, right? Whenever guys start competing and they don't get complacent and they don't get comfortable, and it's uh, you can't ever sit back and go, "All right, this is this is my job. I got this locked down," right? Because that's not the reality of college football. College football is there is constant competition, right? And then you recruit guys, right, that you hope will come in and try to beat those guys out. So um, you know, it's a, a day by day, right? Day by day, both those guys have done some good things. Uh, both of them have a lot of room for improvement, uh, but it'll be a constant competition each day. I apologize if you've already touched on this, but you got a pretty older backfield, and you bring Kevon in, who's got experience. Simeon got experience last year. Pittman's an older guy, even though he's a JUCO transfer, but uh, Seth Davis has, has done some good things in camp. It's going to be hard to keep him off the field. Yes, sir. Seth Davis, uh, you know, he had a good spring. He came back to fall camp, man, and he's done a really, really nice job. Um, you know, he's, uh, he, he is uh, youthful, right, and not as experienced as those guys. But I'll tell you what, man, Seth Davis is hungry, and he runs hard. Uh, when you put the ball in his hands, he's got a chance to break a couple tackles and, and, and go, uh, you know, uh, score a couple touchdowns, as you guys have seen in these couple scrimmages. Uh, Seth is a great young man. You know, uh, really, again, this is a lot of offense uh, for a young man coming in, but he's done a great job of handling it all. And... Uh, you know, he. I think the good thing about guys like that, young players, is, um, you know, you you have to find ways to get them on the field, right? That's Kevin Barbe, and I don't know if you guys picked up on this or not, but I heard some confidence in his voice. Um, pleased with the job that that Will Rogers has done. Likes the depth that he's got in his backfield. My ears perked up a little bit when I heard him say that they moved Dollar Bill inside to guard as opposed to tackle. Is that – any thoughts on that? Well, they've, they've, he's played inside uh, previously at Mississippi State. So, I mean, he's going to be that swing guy that can go to tackle or to guard wherever they need him. It feels like Percy Lewis has, has locked down that left tackle job. I'll say, where do, you, where do you think home base is for Dollar Bill? 
He's probably on the left side of the line as a left guard, left tackle, backup. Okay. But but he's in there. Yeah, he's in the mix. Yeah. Okay. Anything for you stand out? We've got just a few seconds until the break. Obviously, we'll pick the conversation up when we come back. A couple of really good-looking questions there in the middle, I thought. Handsome guy asked those. Uh, yeah, the confidence is definitely there. And we'll, I want to talk about Seth Davis when we come back because that's a name we need to start getting familiar with. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV, and, of course, on your Supertalk radio stations. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Are you ready? On the Supertalk app, supertalk.fm, and always on your local Supertalk Mississippi station. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Wednesday afternoon. You can join us on the Ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. That's 601-879-4395. Hey, Dad, who did you say we needed to talk more about? Seth Davis, the freshman, true freshman running back from Katy, Texas, who, you know, if you had asked me back in, in the spring, I would have said, Likely going to redshirt, right? He's going to be behind uh, Jaquavius Marks. He'll be behind Simeon Price, behind Jeffrey Pittman, the JUCO transfer. And then when Kevon Lee comes in from Penn State, I think, okay, he's behind him too. I think, you know, based on what I've heard and what I've seen reported, I I think that he has worked his way up to the depth chart that he might be the second-string running back of Mississippi State this year, that he is a guy that they feel gives them an explosive uh element that they don't currently have, a guy with with the kind of speed in the backfield that they're hoping to get from guys like Xavion Thomas and Tulu Griffin in the passing game, a guy who can turn small plays into big plays. He's small. Yeah, he's only, you know, he's listed I think at five nine and hundred and seventy five pounds. But he has that explosiveness that they feel like they're lacking. I think he's gonna get he's gonna be a big part of what Mississippi State likes to do this uh this coming season. Between the tackles at all? You know, and that's that's I, we talked about this on today's on yeah, today's podcast. I, I recorded two podcasts today because I can't do one tomorrow since I'll be going to Perkinson, okay. and it's like making sure. But yes, uh, you know, I think when you hear a guy that size, like immediately you think back to Brandon Holloway getting slammed up the middle. I, I think this offense does a better job of, of of putting him into space. But he has also got you know he played six A or, or whatever it is football out in Texas. This is a kid who you know he's he's used to, to carrying the ball up the middle. So you're going to see some of that. But I think this offense is better suited to to his uh, his attributes than what you know you saw before a few years back when Brandon Holloway would go into the middle and and just get stuffed on a regular basis. True freshman out of Katy, Texas, is a senior over 2,500 yards with 34 touchdowns. And he's pretty thick. I mean, right at 185. I mean, okay, five seven is small, but 185 on a five foot seven back, it's pretty thick. That's not. Oh, he's five seven, 165, and he's going to get bounced around. Right. He's not going to look like Dexter McCluster in a uniform. Right. Right. But that's the kind of impacts Mississippi State. That was the player that when 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 we talked about him on the podcast, I said, look. 
that's the first name that pops in my head. Can he provide any kind of, of similar impact to Dexter McCluster? Then you've got yourself a real live superstar in the SEC. Born in 2004. If you needed to feel old, there you go. <laughs> Thanks. I needed that. So needed September that of, uh, of 2004 will turn 19 in uh, a little over a month. All right. Uh, good stuff from Kevin Barbet. We'll hear from uh, Lane Kiffin, the head coach at Ole Miss, coming up in the uh, the 5 o'clock hour of the show. Still got the college football fix to get to, but right now we pick up our countdown of 100 teams in 100 days. This day is bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. This day is bananas. 100 teams in 100 days. Number 10 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days from the Mountain West Conference, the San Diego State Aztecs. Moved into some new digs last year. Snapdragon Stadium seats 35,000, and it's really, really cool looking. Remember the controversy, not controversy, but remember what happened last year on Stadium Open Day? They, there's there's no shade in the stadium like whatsoever. Issues, right? It was like yeah. 110 degrees, and and you had people that were like passing out of heat exhaustion everywhere, and they ran out of water. It, it, like it was the the stadium opening was a nightmare there because of all of that. Yeah, Perfect I mean, for the Pac-12. You, you want to talk about things that you don't expect to have happen in San Diego? Have it be 110 degrees, or feel like 110 degrees in uh, in September. It's not really what they're known for. What'd you say? San Diego. San Diego. Named after the the German monks named it. Yeah. Um, You guys know who the quarterback for uh, San Diego State is? I do. That is former Mississippi State Bulldog and transfer Jalen Maiden, who was playing safety. And they decided, no, let's move him to quarterback. Back to quarterback. By the way, currently 73 and partly sunny in San Diego. It's fine. Hmm. It's only 30 degrees cooler than it uh, is here. Yeah, so he was he was a quarterback, and then they moved him to safety, and then they moved him back to quarterback, finished last season as the starter, threw for just a hair over 2,000 yards with 12 touchdowns and 10 interceptions, projected to be the starter uh, this year as well. They lose their top running back, but they didn't have like a bell cow running back at San Diego State last year. They had, I don't know, five guys with 250 yards or more, kind of spread it around a little bit, uh, lose their top two receivers, lose their top three tacklers, and this is off a team that went seven and six a year ago. Now, two years ago, San Diego State was 12-2. and two. That was the 2021 season. This has been a good program on the West Coast. Good enough that the Pac-12 seriously considered bringing them in, but they continued to hold them off and hold them off and hold them off. San Diego State didn't make the move and probably came out better for not having made the move. It would have been disappointing for San Diego State to have paid the, um, what was it, like a 16 or $18 million exit fee to leave the Mountain West yeah. Conference, to move to the Pac-12 Conference, 
only to have the Pac-12 conference completely fall apart a month later. That that would have been that would have been disastrous for the Aztecs. So they made amends. They stayed at home in the Mountain West Conference, and perhaps they will still have some of those opponents that they would have had had they moved to the Pac-12 as part of their league, either them and the Pac-12 or the Pac-12 and the Mountain West converging. I don't know, whatever it ends up looking like. Brady Hoke's career is fascinating because he had a double-digit win season at Ball State, a double-digit win season at Michigan, and a double-digit win season at San Diego State. And the rest is awful. How can, how can you get those outliers to be more consistent, man? Uh, I mean, because, you know, joke about Ed Orgeron if you wish, but you, you don't win three double-digit seasons as a head coach if you are incompetent. But why are you only able to do that once every ten years or whatever it is? Where, where's the consistency? So, so his overall record is 101-84. and 84. I mean, a little bit above 500. He's got 100 career wins, so yeah, he's done something right, to your point, Borky. So at Ball State, he won 4, 2, 4, 5, 7, 12! <laughs> He's out of nowhere. And he gets the San Diego State job. Year one, he wins four. Year two, nine. Michigan man goes home. 11 to 2, 8 and 5, 7 and 6, 5 and 7. Out the door. No headsets either. Never, never he, understood that. He followed, uh, he followed Rich Rod at Michigan, didn't he? Mm hmm. Yep. Two years Some dark is the days for the Michigan program. Good lord. Two years is the or two games is the interim head coach at Tennessee. They went zero and two in twenty seventeen. I forgot about that. Yes, that's correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And then uh, back and at San Diego State. COVID year in twenty twenty, they go four and four. They followed up with twenty and two, uh, twelve and two, with a win in the Frisco Bowl, and then last year back down to seven and six and lost in the uh, the Hawaii Bowl. Finished tied for second in the Western Division of the Mountain West Conference. Pick third in the Mountain West this year. Boise State is the favorite. Air, uh, Air Force is picked second. Then you get San Diego State just in front of Wyoming. They open the season with Ohio, and that is this Saturday, right? That's this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we got that one coming up this yeah. Saturday. Is that the is that the game that's on ESPN? No, it's New Mexico State and UMass, isn't it? That's it. That's right. You're right. Maybe they're on like FS1 or something. Yeah, but you will more likely get the Ohio-San Diego State game than you will the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. No doubt. On a top-10 no, team. True. After Ohio, they uh, they take on Idaho State. Then they begin their Pac-12 tour with uh, a home game against UCLA. UCLA headed to Snapdragon Stadium in Week 3. And then San Diego State will go to Corvallis in week four. After that, it's uh, all-conference play the rest of the way. Boise State at home on a Friday night. That'll be a fun Friday night game. Yeah, it will. That's one yeah. worth watching on a Friday night. September 30th, they go to Air Force, then an open date, road trip to Hawaii and Nevada, second open date because they play week zero. They close it out with Utah State, road games against Colorado State and San Jose State, and then what has to be a rivalry game, Fresno State in the final weekend of the regular season. That is San Diego State, the Aztecs, team number 10 on the countdown of 100 teams in 100 days.
This is Sports Talk. Sports Talk. Mississippi. Woo-hoo! I say, sports fans. Now, here's more on Super Talk Mississippi. Tomorrow, Sports Talk Mississippi will be at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College in Perkiston. We'll be kicking off Meet the Bulldogs night, plus you'll hear about the great things that are happening at Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College. Look forward to that tomorrow. Also tomorrow on In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar, you will hear an interview with comedian and actor Gary Valentine, who starred on the hit sitcoms Kevin Can Wait and The King of Queens with his brother, actor Kevin James. In a Mississippi Minute with Steve Azar is presented by Superior Catfish. And mark your calendars and plan accordingly. High school football is back across the state of Mississippi this Friday night. You can catch a local game on just about every Super Talk Mississippi station. Uh, a ton of those are streaming games. Go to supertalk.fm slash high school or uh, click sports on the Super Talk Mississippi app. We've got the scoreboard preview show Coming for you at 6 o'clock on Friday, immediately after Sports Talk Mississippi. And then it is the award-winning Farm Bureau Insurance Company scoreboard show at 10 o'clock on Friday nights throughout the football season. Catch it anywhere you listen or watch Super Talk Mississippi. I'm still thinking about Kevin Barbet a little bit. And there's always there, there's always a transition when you change your offense. And sometimes the transition is smooth, and sometimes the transition is bumpy. But the transition from what Mississippi State was doing with the air raid into an offense that certainly has more run concepts but is going to keep some of the air raid concepts in place and is going to mix in some play action, it's just going to be, it's going to be an offense that is multiple as opposed to just doing one thing. The transition from pure air raid to multiple is not like transitioning from the triple option to the air raid or or the triple option to anything. Going from you throw the ball basically full-time to you are more diverse is different than going from you run the ball almost exclusively to now you want to be balanced at 50-50. It's just not the same transition. Does right. this feel to, you, feel to yeah. you like it's going to be a, a smooth transition? Because I kind of feel like it does. I will tell you that Mississippi State coaches believe it's going to be a smooth transition. But they, they are very encouraged by what they've seen in practice, by what they, they, they their players have given them. Uh, you heard Barbe talk about Will Rogers and how quickly he's adapted. Which I I, I asked him if you know if he's surprised by that. I kind of knew what the answer was going to be. I, I I would have been surprised if the answer was yes. I am surprised because Rogers is such a, a veteran at this point. He's just seen and done it all. Um, so that they, they think it's going to be a smooth trip. Yeah, he's lunch pail guy, real gritty. Um, so they think it's going to be a good transition. Uh, they feel like they've got the pieces in place for it. Um, having Rodgers, I think, gives them an advantage there because of his experience. Um, and as for me, you know, you know, when Arnett and I had that that interview that we we talked about in the past, where he's like, "We're not going to the triple option." He's right. I mean, there's if you watch App State, they, there's a lot of air raid concepts in what they do. 
There's a lot of you, they're still going to be in shotgun 95% of the time, is what Barbe told us just a few weeks ago. So I, I don't know that the, the transition is as daunting as some people might want to make it out to be. It is a transition, it will be different, but Mississippi State believes it's going to be a successful one. You've got them eight and four. I do. M- more likely that that is overrated or underrated. Going back to our conversation Ooh. from earlier in the show today, it's a good question. You know, if you're somebody who thinks states eight and four, I mean, you're you're right on the razor's edge there. I, nine and three would mean you, you think they're going to lose to LSU and Alabama, and then they're only going to drop one other game when they've got the four road games to pick from. That's tough. So more likely to be overrated from my prediction is probably correct, but they are capable of being a nine-win team if everything breaks right for them. All right, for Mississippi State to win nine games, it would have to look like this. Southeastern Louisiana, Arizona, Western Michigan, Southern Miss. So they get the four non-conference games. They would have to beat Ole Miss in the Egg Bowl. They would have to beat Kentucky at home. All right, so now you're at six. Probably would have to win at Auburn. Now you're at seven. Mm -hmm. And then that means you've got to get two of LSU, South Carolina, Alabama, mm-hmm. Arkansas, Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. And, and, and when you look at it that way, it's not like that is completely far-fetched. Right. And, and I, have, I have them 8-4 and four losing. I have them beating Arkansas but losing to Carolina and A&M. Yeah. But could they beat Carolina? Sure. Could they go to A&M and win again? Yeah, why not? And that, that game on September 23rd, and I know you talked to Tom Hart about it a, Massive. a couple of weeks ago. It's just huge. And we've talked about it. This is not new. For Mississippi State, that game is sandwiched between LSU and Alabama. For South Carolina, that game is sandwiched between road games against Georgia and Tennessee. Feels like you're going to get the full Williams Bryce experience that day because it'll be the first home conference game for South Carolina. And South Carolina fans will know how important that game is as well. College football fix is next. Sports Talk, Mississippi, your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. Let me put it to you this way right here on Super Talk, Mississippi. Five o'clock hour with you. This is Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort, the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. Yeah, I know it's a little warm on the golf course right now, and it won't be for much longer. If fall golf is your thing, Dancing Rabbit Golf Club is the place with 36 holes from which you can choose two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the signature course, the Azaleas. You can book your tea time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com and learn about everything that is happening at Pearl River Resort on their website, pearlriverresort.com. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, we'd love to hear from you. You can join us on the ceasefire text line 
at 601-879-4395. Introducing the new Connect and Protect plan from Ceasefire. The phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. Just $30 a month with AutoPay. Learn more at cspire.com. Ceasefire, customer inspired. Let's slide right in to the college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built for tough. Summer sales event still going. It's plenty hot outside. You can get hot deals from Ford at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Michael Borky has traditionally been a big fan of the Dan Patrick Show, national radio show. Pretty good job with some college football stuff. Have great interviews that are uh, part of that as well. So uh, today, it was Jack Swarbrick, the current but soon-to-be-retired Notre Dame Athletics Director, and he was talking about college football realignment. Yes, Notre Dame has maintained its independence, and Borky, he called it a complete Disaster. This is an interesting uh, couple minutes here, and what makes it really interesting is the, the whole show is in Dublin, and that's where Swarbrick is for the game this weekend. And for some reason, he's sitting next to Will Ferrell in their studio. I mean, Will Ferrell was there today, just on the show the whole time, sitting next to Notre Dame's AD, being interviewed by Dan Patrick. It's just that, that's that show sometimes. But in- All right, so- interesting comments from him on the state of college football, and blames himself for part of it. And, and we're going to let you hear this from, from Jack Swarbrick, but I, I want you to ask your, yourself this question as you go into this. Is, is this legitimate? Does Jack Swarbrick raise good points, or is this old man yells at clouds on the radio? Here's Jack Swarbrick, Athletics Director at Notre Dame, on with Dan Patrick. Sum up what's happening with college football in the last, where would you start? Complete disaster. How did, it, how did we get here, Jack? I wish I knew. And, and listen, I'm not, uh, every, everybody in the industry has to take responsibility here. I'm not uh, excluding myself from that. I think uh, the decision-making has lost its way in terms of the focus on the student-athlete and what's primarily best for them. Um, but we are where we are, and we have to try and make it work. I mean, we've been pretty uh, vocal in the past month about we need to find a home for Stanford and Cal. That you can't have two of the great academic institutions in the world not have a not have a place to play. What kind of solution you got? We're working on it. Meaning? Well, th- there's still consideration of the ACC as a home for those schools. Okay. And Notre Dame is lobbying for Stanford and Cal to join. Very much so. Okay. And the Pac-12 dies. It's looking that way more and more every day, yes. But it, it, can I go back and say, this? Cha- if we didn't do this or we did do this, that would have changed everything or kept it? I mean, uh, Chip Kelly has talked about, why don't we just have you know, the football schools play the football schools, and then the other uh, athletic programs don't have to travel to Piscataway or you know, Syracuse or those kind of things. I mean, that, that seems like obvious that you could be able to still do that and not have the baseball team 
travel, uh, you know, all across the country. I'm all for more regional scheduling. Yeah. I, I, think, I think it makes a load of sense. It doesn't mean you need to separate out football operationally, right? I think, I think we can all still stay under the same umbrella, um, but I'm, I'd like to see much more regional scheduling. Could you see where we're headed towards the NFL model with college football? Let's say you have 50 teams uh, split it up with uh, divisions. Yeah, a little hard to get there because of the conflicting media rights deals and assignment of rights. And yeah. so those things don't ever line up on the calendar basis. So a little hard to see how you get there. But it's likely within the next year, uh, either in an action involving USC or a federal case in Pennsylvania, uh, student athletes, uh, football and basketball players will be declared employees. You think that's where we should be headed? I don't. Uh, it's, it's not about n not supporting them and making sure there are ample benefits available. Um, we were the first school in the country to advocate for name, image, and likeness uh, back, in, back in 2015. But I don't think they need to be employees. We still want them to be part of the student body and, and involved in a lot of the same experiences that the normal student has. But is this based on greed? Or how much is with, with what's gone on with, and the people in power who are making these, you know, the kids are going to be the kids, but you've got grownups who have made decisions that seem like they're just based on money. Yeah, well, they're certainly based on money. There's, there's no question. And uh, some of that is the demands that have arisen over time for, to find more revenue to meet this requirement or this requirement. So I, I'm not terribly comfortable with the description of it as greed, but it is all about money. I'm not terribly comfortable with the description of it as greed, but yeah, it is all about money. I mean, remember, remember guys, greed is good. <laughs> all right. yeah, ooh. By the way, so they ask him the question about Pac-12 or, or joining the or Stanford and Cal joining the ACC. Why don't you ask the question, why don't you join the ACC? They're You're so not worried desperate. about it. They're not. The, the, the he, responsibility, he, he doesn't not need a landing spot. He, he's not worried about I guess. that. He, I mean, he's... I look, I, there's some things that Jack Swarbrick said that, that ring very, very true to me. And like, man, those are really good points. But... Cal and Stanford don't need a place because they are two of the elite academic institutions in the country. You can continue to be elite academic institutions and play sports in a different league. You can do that. Stanford cares about athletics. They do. Now, I understand that Stanford fans do not do not deeply care about their football team, at least not enough to regularly show up to home games. I think people who are affiliated with Stanford want to see their football team do well. They just can't be bothered to actually support it with attendance. But Stanford as a whole cares deeply about athletics as part of the college experience. Yeah, they are like the, the USA Olympic teams like feeder program. All the yeah. sports that you don't 
care about or pay attention to, they are elite at. All of them. I mean, water polo. My gosh. Our water polo team might as well be Stanford. Yeah, what is it? They sponsor like 34 sports or something, something crazy like, that, like yeah. that. Cal's a little bit different story to me. Um, you know, at times Cal's been really good. They nearly shut down their baseball program. They had a few people that kind of rallied and raised enough money and pitched enough fits with the athletics director to keep the baseball program from being shut down. And then they went to the NCAA tournament the next year. They have sporadically been good in basketball. They have sporadically been good in football. But I don't know that as an institution, Cal cares about athletics the way that Stanford does. Be that as it may with both of those schools, the rationale that those are two of the elite academic institutions, therefore they deserve a home with the elite athletic institutions, uh, that, that doesn't jive for me. I, I, I don't... I don't see, because of this, this has to happen as well. If you want to tell me that, look, they both have athletic programs that have over a century of tradition, they are competitive, they're winning championships, they're investing in facilities, they fit um, you know, athletically in, in terms of stadiums and facilities and resources with these other programs, and therefore we want to try to help them find a home given that their home crumbled and burned to the ground. Okay, okay. But I don't need to hear that because you've got 126 Rhodes Scholars, you deserve to be in the ACC. We'll be back right after this. Trivia is next. Nothing brings people together and forms a lasting bond like sports. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your favorite teams like no one else. On the Super Talk app, supertalk.fm, and on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. All right, so think about how exactly to say this during the break, and I'm just going to come right out and say it. On an intellectual level, I get that at some level I should feel bad for the Pac-12 crumbling, that I should feel bad that Stanford and Cal may not have a place to go. That Oregon State and Washington are the they're the losers in this, and and we should all be sad for them. I get, I get all those things at an intellectual level, but at a place that is different than an intellectual level, the truth of the matter is, I don't care if any of those schools that were previously part of the Pac-12 ever lace up a sneaker, pick up a ball or a bat, put on a pair of cleats, get on a plane to travel to a game, or have another person sit in the stands to watch one of their events ever again. Not ever. And you know why? 
I'll tell you why. The schools that make up that conference just three short years ago were willing to sit and forfeit at the very least an entire football season, if not their entire athletics department, so that they could stand on some moral high ground about wearing masks and virus transmission. They were willing to let the entire collegiate enterprise crumble. And they were wrong. They could not have been more wrong. And that's not revisionist history. They were wrong in real time, and they're wrong three years later. And so if you tell me by your actions, I don't care if college football crumbles, then guess what? When things don't well go well for you, I don't care if your entire department crumbles. That's the truth of the matter. You don't care about something that I love dearly. That people, hundreds of millions of people, certainly tens of millions of people, love dearly. You were willing to let the entire sport fall apart. Because you were scared. And you thought it was the politically expedient thing to do. I don't care what happens to you. But you, you didn't care about football enough to say, you know what, we got to try. we got to figure out a way to do this. This may be uncomfortable. This may be not great. And then you got shamed into playing because everybody else did, just like the Big Ten. I wouldn't care a bit if the entire Big Ten crumbled and fell apart either because they were just as bad, just as complicit. They had a few football players that stood up and said, no, this isn't right. We want to play. Oh, well, the SEC, they don't care about anything but football. Well, maybe so. But they were smart enough to go, well, hold on a second. Tap the brakes. There may be a way for us to do this. Let's not be so quick to throw in the towel. Not Pac-12. They could not cancel a college football season fast enough. Couldn't do it. And the Big Ten was like holding on to their jockstrap trying to go along for the ride. And if not for being shamed into it, neither of those leagues would have played football and they would have just been fine and dandy with it. They were willing to let college football crumble. I'm not sad if they crumble. Could you imagine what would have happened had they gotten their way? Hmm. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We are glad to be with you this afternoon. Hey, Dad, like shrunk back while I was saying all that stuff. We have to talk about this. Can we Can we just focus oh. on this here? Don't we have some trivia no. to do? Turn, turn the volume back up now. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, ten days of trivia. We have made it to day number three. Our ten days of trivia is brought to you by Genteel Apparel. Genteel is the official apparel provider of Sports Talk Mississippi. You can find them online at genteelapparel.com. They've got uh, the collegiate collection. You've also got Genteel retailers all across the state of Mississippi. Be sure to check out in, uh, the, these stores. Harry Meyer Clothing in Meridian, Landry's on the Square in Oxford, SF Alderman in Gulfport, 
Smith and Company in Greenwood and Steve's on the Square in Philadelphia. And uh, and when you stop by, if you haven't been in before, tell them that uh, you heard about them on Sports Talk Mississippi. All right, so let's get to uh, question number three of our genteel trivia. Hey, Dad, you sent me this via text, is that right? Or was it via email earlier today? Which was it? Was it an email you sent it to me in? I haven't sent you anything trivia-related today. Yeah, you did. No. You are incorrect, sir. Well, then let me find this question, because you guys could help me out if you don't mind. Or or you could just be completely quiet and not say anything. It's not like there's three What are we us. doing? I don't know what's going on. I didn't just have ask my the question. question. Is it important when it came for it, where it came from? No, I didn't have it pulled up. You got to be ready. You, you were so locked into the political rant, you weren't ready for the sponsored segment yeah, that but, we're but doing that right wasn't, here. That wasn't a political. It, that rant wasn't about politics. It wasn't. That rant was, why should I you care said, about them when they didn't care about the sport about that politics. we love, and so I don't care about mm. them. All right. We got three minutes here to get this done. You ask the question. <laughs> All right. Ceasefire text line. Right. You send it you, you send it to us at 601-879-4395. Name three players. We need three players, right? Three players. I want the all-time all-time leading passer, all-time leading receiver, and the all-time leading rusher from the three Division I schools in the state of Mississippi. I need the names of the three of them. The all-time leading passer, the all-time leading rusher, and the all-time leading receiver from our three Division I universities in the state of Mississippi. Three names. Who leads each of those categories when you combine the three D1 schools in Mississippi? That is your trivia question. The winner will receive a golf shirt. Of their choice, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss, or Super Talk from Genteel Apparel. We're going to send all of them out at once in a couple of weeks. After we get through the 10 days of trivia, all you got to do is tell us which uh, which you want. I texted you that yesterday. Okay. Well, I'm lost on my text messages. Forgive me. Thanks for helping me out. He's, Dig myself he's out of like, that hole. What's the What's the question? I'm like, I don't know what the question is. I sent you a bunch of questions. I do feel like the truth can kind of be somewhere in the middle here, though. Like, you, you probably could have put one and two together, what he was asking for, but also if a message or email oh, no, wasn't sent no, today. Borky, Borky. He, was, he was more interested in watching me flap and flail and well, try, is, and, uh, try and figure all of that. Somebody sent us a message that says, confused. I'll just buy my Genteel shirts. <laughs> <laughs> and we appreciate nope. you nope. for that. <laughs> and so do they. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, Marcus in Starkville says, please shut up, RC. Your football rant was stupid. It wasn't a rant. It's just an well, opinion. Mar- we, Marcus, we always... we're, still, we're still waiting on our numbers, Marcus. We're still waiting on them. Yeah, Mark, Marcus had numbers to tell us how bad uh, we were doing and also had a petition that uh, he was going to send to our boss of people, mm-hmm. lots and lots of people, trying to get us off the air. So, you know, I, I gave you their address. They are patiently waiting for that petition there. 
Marcus. Yeah. Right. So we're getting some answers with like Jerry Rice. We're talking about the Division One schools: State, Ole Miss, Ole Miss, Mississippi Southern. State, Southern Miss. Yeah. Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Southern Miss. When you take the top quarterback in in terms of passing yards, the top wide receiver in terms of receiving yards, and the top running back in terms of rushing yards, you give us the 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 leaders of all three of those categories. But what, but I think. You you can't you kind of ask this in a confusing way. We're looking for for three players because I, said I need three names. But 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 I, th- I think people are sending in six names because they think we want states, Ole Misses, and no. and USMs. We just want the leader, the all time leader from the from the school for, or for in that category. That's that's all it is. So if it's if it's a state player, if it's an Ole Miss player, so the way I wrote the question would have been a lot better. Well, you clearly didn't want to ask the question that I was trying to get you desperately to help me get out, and and so you're just going to have to live with what I gave you. Uh, whatever. We'll uh, we'll do it coming up. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV. We'll we'll just go in the ditch a little bit. We'll try to pull it out of the ditch during the break and uh, get back on the track <laughs> in the ditch after this. Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi. To the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. Sounds good. On Super Talk Mississippi. All right, we have a winner. I think it just got real convenient to say that I asked the question poorly as a uh, <laughs> rationale for all of those wrong answers. Uh, Jacob in Starkville is our winner. Jacob has chosen a white Mississippi State golf shirt. He wants the Script State logo. By the way, update. Hey, Good man. You want an update? Uh, on what? Genteel. Oh. Has been approved for the MSU interlocking logo. They got very good. They got to do a little bit of back end work to get the logo digitized, get it in print, get the stuff uploaded to their website. All those things going to take a couple of days. They are hopeful that by the beginning of next week, those will be available online, and they will be out. I'll there. take a four X, guys. If you just send it right to me. Yeah. Well, we can make it easy if. I'm working yeah, on, I'm working on that. I'm, I'm working, working as hard them. as I can. I'm working. I know you are. I know you are. All right. So All right. the the question was. Let me let me let me read the question well, as but, but I texted I, it. To but you. I changed it because I didn't want you to say they were all from Southern Miss. I wanted you didn't it to want be, to give the hint. Yes. No. I didn't want to give a hint. I want this okay. to be hard. You just want to give stuff away for free and easily. Sorry, I'm not a jerk. Go ahead. Not a jerk. I just want you to earn it. Uh huh. All right. So read the read the question the way you wrote it, but change it from all from Southern Miss to, you know. All right. So the way I sent the question to Richard, and I got to go back and find it now because I, Here it is. I got I've away got it. from it. I got it. The all I said the all time passing. Rushing and receiving yardage leaders from all among all Division One schools in Mississippi went to the same school. You could have said, name them. 
I didn't want to do it that way. I wanted people to have to decide well, whether there was one from each school or they had We to... got people sending us nine names. Yeah. Yeah. They get an A for it. The answer, the answer, as, as Richard alluded to, they all went to the, the University of Southern Mississippi. Nick Mullins is the all-time leading passer in Mississippi history. Now, that is likely to be supplanted this year by Will Rogers, but currently Mullins is the leader. 11,994 yards passing. Damian Fletcher is the all-time leading rusher in the state of Mississippi's history among Division I schools. 5,302 yards on the ground. And for receiving, it's Sherrod Gideon, the all-time leading receiver in Mississippi history. 3,214 yards receiving. Now, if you're curious where Mississippi State players and Ole Miss players stack up in that, the all-time leading passer at Ole Miss is Eli Manning at 10,119 yards. Deuce McAllister is the all-time leading rusher, 31-81. And A.J. Brown, the all-time leading receiver at Ole Miss, with 2,984 yards. For Mississippi State, Will Rogers is already the all-time leading passer at Mississippi State with 10,689 yards. As Haydad alluded to, it is likely that he will be the all-time leading passer in the state of Mississippi after this year. Anthony Dixon, all-time leading rusher, 3,994 yards. Fred Ross, all-time leading receiver, 2,528 yards. So We did get a text. Zachary Franklin does not count. He has yet to suit up for Ole Miss in a game. Come on. He's technically on the team as of this moment, but he has not played a game yet for Ole Miss. And until he does, he does not count. We're not, yeah, we're not counting that. No. No. Sakari Franklin. Come on. It's all Richard's fault I didn't win. Just kidding. Keep up the good work, gentlemen. That's on the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. Jacob a winner. He says, tell Haydad I love him dearly. Well, that's cute. Um, (laughs) Kidding. I'm kidding. Nice. Danny's going to sign the petition. We'll uh, we'll get you hooked up with Marcus, man. Danny says my delivery was terrible. Eat it. Okay, Danny. He also says, should I sign the petition? (laughs) You would be number two. Marcus, you got some groundswell of support here. Get out there. Work the streets. Uh, Dwayne and Brandon 4X. Hey, Dad, you look smaller than that now. Well, you can't see, you know, most of it's between my... uh, my hips and my uh, my chest. Which is like the stomach area, right? Isn't that... The stomach generally, area. Generally yeah. describe that area of the body. The gut. You do look thinner. Uh, you told me the other day we were going to go home I and try know. that shirt on again. Did, was it close? I, I, it's still it's it's still a little a little curvy. Close? It's still Are we close? Up. Hugs the curves. It's close. It's close. It's close. Okay. There we you go. Know? It's, 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 it's like cooking. It's, it's done when it's done. What you need to do uh, for inspiration is just <laughs> once you get past that threshold, go buy a two X and and just keep putting that on and just. I have so I have I have a shirt that my good friend Bob Carscadden's mom bought for me in like 2013. I've never worn it. It's a two X Tommy Bahama shirt. It's nice. really nice. I've never worn it, and I've I just held on to it through the years to fi- hope finally to be able to wear it one day. That'll be a cool picture you send to him. 
Yeah, I'll send it to I'll send it to her too. So. Hmm. Every time you say that name, I'm reminded of the the hand. It cracks me up. <laughs> me too. Hey, I, I just want to read this because you know equal time. Good job wording the question. I just choked on receiving yards leader, but I knew Damian Fletcher and Nick Mullins for rushing and passing. His guess on receiving really yards leader him. was Malik Heath. That that's a terrible guess. He's going to make that roster in Green Bay, though. Uh, Nick Mullins, by the way, just signed a deal recently with Minnesota, so he's still hanging around the NFL. He's still, he's still hanging around the league. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Very, uh, very good. Sports Talk uh, Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Where would Will rate <laughs> nationally? What are we laughing about? I'm laughing at Bobby and Batesville, who says, I felt seasoned with seasonings by that question. (laughs) (laughs) I laugh every time. Uh, Um, In my effort to avoid giving a credit to a competitor of a sponsor, I looked like an idiot. I should have just given the credit. Oh, God, it's so funny. Yeah. Um, Where would Will rate nationally? I mean... So what? I mean, we're going to call all-time thirty-five hundred yard passing season. Is that a reasonable boy that expectation? Would, that's a lot. No, I would put him three thousand would be really, really good. Um, okay. So the all-time leading passer, he's not going to get there. That's Case Keenum. He's sitting on nineteen thousand yards. If Rodgers were to throw for three thousand yards this year, what was the, what was his number? Ten thousand? What? It should be right here. Ten six eighty nine. Ten six eighty nine. He would be the twelfth all time leading passer in college football history. Okay, he and was, of course, uh, would be the all time leading passer in SEC history. He was just shy of four thousand yards last season. Yeah. Currently, number twelve is Mason Rudolph, Oklahoma State. Yeah. I think he was one of the names on the list yesterday when we were looking at the top 30 passers of all time. I think Might he had been, a, yeah. a year where he went for over 5,000 yards. Isn't it crazy to think about how that Oklahoma State has evolved, that offense has, has evolved through the yeah. years? I mean, they've gone from, yeah. like, throw it all over the place to run heavy, back to more balance. To the, I mean, it's, it's very much based on personnel. If, if you're correct and he were to throw for 3,500 yards, he would be the, all, the 10th all-time leading passer. Okay, so you can get in, he could get into the top ten with just a ridiculous season. Very good. Um, did you guys watch Swamp Kings last night? No, and I'm glad I didn't. Based on everything I've I've seen on Twitter, that it's it's just a waste of time. It's a big puff piece for Urban Meyer. I, I was going to as well, uh, and then I saw the the things that were excluded, and and I thought that, that that's not a documentary then. That's that's the kind of stuff. Don't get me wrong. The production is phenomenal, but that's what the season is for. If the University of Florida wanted to put out a hey, you guys remember? Here's all this footage for back in the day when we were so good and all this. Then sure. But when you're going to build this as a tell-all documentary about the Urban Meyer years of Florida, and you don't cover any of the bad stuff, it's just propaganda, and I'm just not interested. I understand that. 
You can't. There was a list of things that that they didn't cover. They didn't cover the Pouncey twins at all. They didn't talk about Cam Newton getting kicked out of of Florida. They didn't really talk much about Aaron Hernandez. Uh, they didn't talk about Percy Harvin attacking Billy Gonzalez. They didn't talk about Urban Meyer having to call nine one one before the SC, or after the SEC championship game. Or they just left all that out, and that's what makes it interesting. Is that stuff? Yeah. Otherwise, it's just a highlight video. Are you more likely to watch if you know that that's what it is going in, and it doesn't like? You're not let down by expectations, or do you just not watch it at that point? I I'll probably would just be like, I, what do I care? Yeah. yeah. All right, Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. We'll wrap it up coming up next. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Say that again. Please say it. Now, back to Sports Talk Mississippi. Sorry. Poorly timed joke, completely inappropriate. On Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. Check them out online at visitoxfordms.com. Visit Oxford keeps you up to date with all the things that are happening. And when you come to Oxford, be sure to stop by the uh, Visit Oxford Cottage on Jackson Avenue, just off the west side of the Oxford Square. You can get uh, information about restaurants and lodging and all kinds of activities uh, plus, find out about all the stuff that's going on. Visit OxfordMS.com. Follow them on all the socials, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, at Visit Oxford MS. Um, thanks for being with us. Don't forget that uh, when we get finished tonight, Brian Haydad will have more for you with Thunder and Lightning on the radio. It's immediately after Sports Talk Mississippi. If you're looking for a Mississippi State fix 10 days from the start of the college football season, Brian Haydad has you covered, and that is coming up next. Um, we did numbers at the top, right, Borky? I mean, I, I didn't let you necessarily read all of them off, but we hit ten until the the big weekend, and buddy, tomorrow until, yeah. is single digits for the Saturday where our teams play. Single digits tomorrow. We are at two tomorrow for. Technically, college football. Yeah. Yeah. Two. Have you guys seen the ticket promotion that Memphis is doing this year? Great idea. I have. I think it's ingenious. So, this is pretty cool. Uh, Now, in fairness, people have bashed Memphis in years past because they did the $5 grocery store tickets or the... You know, buy a season ticket for twenty bucks or whatever, and uh, okay, fair I, enough. I I bashed them because the ticket to the Memphis Mississippi State game was seventy five dollars, and the ticket the next week to watch Memphis was five bucks. Yes, yes, that is that. So there have been lots of reasons. So this is what Memphis has done this year. If you are a Memphis fan and you've not yet bought season tickets, you can buy a ticket for the season opener against Bethune Cookman. 
and the ticket will cost you $60. You go, whoa, 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 no, I'm out. No, no, you got to hear the rest of this. If Memphis wins against Bethune-Cookman, then you can use that same ticket for the next home game against Navy. If Memphis beats Navy, you can use that same ticket for the next home game against Boise State. If Memphis happens to beat Boise State, you can use the same ticket for the next home game against Tulane and then USF and then SMU. So, in theory, you can go to all six home games for just $10 if Memphis is undefeated through their first five home games. If you think they're going to lose in week three to Boise State, that still means you can go to the first three games at home for $20 apiece. Now, this could go horribly wrong if they lose to Bethune-Cookman. It wouldn't go wrong for the university because they'd get more money, with, but it, you get the idea. It's creative, right? It's fun. Fun and creative. I like it. It's a good idea. I like it, yes. Very good stuff. Will it work? It has either Will the potential to be a... Well, I th- I, it should. And I think it has the potential to either be a great promotion that Memphis fans really thrive from, or possibly one of the funniest things you've ever seen when a bunch of Memphis fans pay 60 bucks to watch their team lose to Bethune-Cookman. Don't think that's going to be the case, but it'd be funny if it did. It would be very funny. If, if they lose to Bethune-Cookman, how many are you really going back for anyway? Probably. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. So you're still out sixty bucks, though. Yeah, yeah. I don't want to jinx um, it, but a lot's been made by me about the kickoff time with Ole Miss and Mercer. By the way, mm-hmm. and it's not like in Starkville it's all that much better, but it is better in terms of kickoff time selection. Uh, Oxford's getting a wave of cool weather next week. Wonder if that Saturday's not going to be cooking like you would expect it to be. Now that I said that, sorry, it's going to be 100 and you're all going to die. But if that cool wave sticks around for a little while, might might save the scrutiny. David Ripley says, I'd like to know what the ratings on ESPN are for that puff piece about Urban Meyer. Glad you guys didn't watch it. It was, Dave, it wasn't something that ESPN did. This was a, uh, it was a streaming documentary on Netflix. It's part of the Untold series. It's like where they go back and they tell stories and, some of them have been really, really good, and some of them have been less good. I thought the reviews for the Johnny Manziel thing were largely positive. People were interested. I think there were a lot of folks that were kind of left wanting a little bit more with this one about Florida, and it was, it was four parts, wasn't it? I think it was four parts, uh, and they dropped all four parts yes. at one time. But uh, I think people, a lot of people were left wanting more as it uh, – as it pertains to Swamp Kings. Thanks for being with us on this Wednesday afternoon. Brian Haydad, Thunder and Lightning coming up next. After the news, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good night.
Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services A Super Talk Mississippi media production.